Welcome to the Alien Beer Podcast. My name is Chrissy Garrison. I'm an independent science fiction and fantasy author, and I will be reading my stories to you. Goodbyes are hard for me. As I write this introduction, I've gotten a bit ahead on the writing from the Multiverse Blues. I'm about to start the last chapter, as a matter of fact. I've spent nearly a year telling the story of Jules and Hope's tour, and I can tell you listeners that I'm going to miss these characters when I'm done. Don't fret, you'll still have four more chapters to listen to after this one. But then we'll be done, and I'll have to move on to something else. If all you know of my writing is this podcast, you're in luck. I have ten published novels, six of which are also in audiobook format, if you aren't that much of a reader. Road Ghosts is an especially good deal because it contains three novels and a short story in one audiobook. Plans are going forward to create an audiobook for my latest novel, Transwitch, College of Secrets. I'll have more news about that for you in future episodes. This episode of the Multiverse Blues tells the story of the Arch Authority catching up to Hope's tour, some difficult decisions, and the beginning of what comes next. The Multiverse Blues, Chapter 23, I'm a Steady Rollin' Man. Marcy and I screamed in unison once more as Zamboni dodged the vehicles suddenly facing us on the other side of the now-dead arch gate. Dribbler called out from the main cabin, What the hell happened? We're in trouble, I cried. The gate switched off. We're still in league. I left Marcy barking orders to Zamboni to evade the Arch Authority cruisers closing in on us. The robot turned the wheel and slammed on the brake and then hit the gas, propelling the tour bus back into city traffic. Blue lights flashed, reflected in every car window, and lighting up the face of every building we passed. Horns blared in our wake and tires screeched. I emerged into the main cabin to find Harlan throwing down his tools in frustration. Damn it all! No point in fixing this dang thing if we're gonna just get arrested. Arch thugs would love to get their hands on this gadget. I figure we better destroy it so they can't get a hold of it. He came up with a hammer and put the partially disassembled portal gun on the floor. Wait, Harlan, no! I cried. Dribbler reached out and stopped Harlan from swinging the hammer. What you got in mind, dude? I looked wildly around the cabin for ideas. Harlan, can you power that thing directly? Harlan stared at me as if I had asked him if he had a spare pineapple in his pocket. Huh? What, you think we just can plug her into the wall or something? Uh, maybe. Even if we did, how are we going to fit the whole bus through a portal the size this thing makes? Even with a month to tinker with it, I wouldn't know how to change how it works that way. I shook my head. Look, the only way we're getting out of this is in handcuffs or by abandoning the bus. If you can power that directly somehow, we'll make a portal right here and we'll all jump through. Leave La Esperanza. Dude, she's like a part of our family. There's no other way, Dribbler. Maybe we'll get her out of impound later, but if we don't get Hope and Lucy out of here at least, they'll end up enslaved by the Arch Authority. Harlan's eyes flashed with hot anger. Right. Dribbler, help me pry up that deck plate there. It has access to the power plant. But, damn it, just do what I say, Dribs. Choosing between Hope and the bus ain't a choice, and you know it. As if on cue, Hope descended the stair, baby Lucy in her arms. Her singing voice quavered. We are escaping through a portal to where, loves? 
If I understand it right, it depends on who fires the portal gun, I said. It aligns with your quantum signature and sends you there. Then I must not be first, said Hope. Even if it had the range, which it will not, my world has was destroyed ten years ago. It is what my ship was fleeing, the multidimensional implosion of Tristel. I don't think there's much safety on my beta Earth, I said. Dribbler looked up from assisting Harlan. Not Gamma, either. Hope shook her head. No arch-controlled world would be a good idea. We must go onward to Harlan's homeworld as planned. Aired? Are you crazy? called Harlan. A sudden fat electrical spark lit his face from below, even as the lights blinked off and on again, and the engine hesitated. They have no love for the arch-authority, sang Hope, and our mission is to reach the Dion of your world. I think it's our best shot, I said, wishing there was something I could do. I don't know that we should be moving when we make the portal. I don't know if that would stick in a place relative to the bus or the position of the ground where it was summoned. If it's the latter, it'll just get dragged out of the bus, and I don't want to take that risk. So what, you think we got to stop? asked Dribbler, handing a pair of cables to Harlan. I nodded. When you're ready, Harlan grumbled. You know we're going to get boarded right after we stop, right? Shrugging, I said. Do you have another idea? He stripped a wire with his teeth and spat as he twisted it around a terminal on the gun. Nope, but we're going to need time to get through the portal, and it don't stay open long, as I recall. Might have enough time for Hope and a couple others to hustle through if someone stalls the arch goons. Since I'm not of much other use, I'll stay behind. We all had to hold on as the bus careered around another corner. Marcy appeared in the doorway, listening to the conversation. I think you have to go through, I said, running my fingers through my hair as my thoughts raced. I'm not sure that it's enough for you to be, to fire the portal gun. You might have to be first through as well. Harlan spat out another bit of wire insulation. Well, damn it all. Me, Hope, and Lucy, then. Jasmine, if I carry her. We'd need to buy more damn time once we're stopped. I'll bullshit them for a bit, said Marcy. I'll dazzle them with bureaucratic nonsense while the rest of you jump through to Aird. Hope clicked and whistled, and little Lucy imitated her. Hope sang, Marcy, that is very brave, but we do not leave anyone behind. Marcy laughed. <laughs> Don't worry about me. I've got connections to get me out of trouble soon enough, and I'll hook up with you all later. I'll even take care of La Esperanza, assuming Zamboni leaves her in one piece. Tell you what, if there's time, I'll just be the last through the portal, okay? Hope made no reply, her expression flat and unreadable. Over the intercom, Zamboni spoke. We are approaching a blockade. I am out of options for escape. Awaiting instructions. I looked at our stage manager, fumbling with the portal gun, a coil of cabling stretching from the device into the open hatch. Harlan? I think it'll work. Any time now. I called out to the forward compartment. Bring us to a stop, Zamboni, and come on into the main cabin when you're done there. The bus shuddered as it came to a halt, and Marcy made her way past the rest of us to hang on to the rail next to the hatch door. Zamboni, the robot, appeared in the doorway. Dribbler put his arm around me as he got in line. There came a pounding on the hatch. You're sure, Marcy? I asked. She nodded and pressed the button to open it. Now, Harlan, I said. 
Harlan faced away from all of us. He raised the portal gun and fired toward the front of the cabin, and a shimmering oval appeared. Go, 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 cried Dribbler. Harlan stepped through and vanished. Hope took a look over her shoulder, then followed him into the portal, still carrying Lucy. Jasmine darted after them. I heard Marcy cry out as two bulky arch troopers burst into the cabin, the intense beams of flashlights attached to their guns' long barrels sweeping the room. Babs leapt across the room and dropped one of the guards with a full-body kick to his head. Marcy cried out a belated, Babs, no! as a bloody spot bloomed on Babs' shoulder, knocking her to the floor. A metallic blur crossed my vision as Zamboni rolled to Interpuis's body to block the trooper's view of the portal, Dribbler, and me. The robot used his third arm to shove Dribbler into me, and we both fell back into the portal. The last thing I saw before the scene in La Esperanza vanished was Zamboni falling to the floor in a hail of gunfire. Dribbler and I clung together as we fell, or maybe floated, in the center of a starry field that spun end over end around us. I tried to track the individual points of light and found that most had visible disks, like very small moons or relatively close planets. The light that emanated from each one of the points of light seemed to flicker and change with colors and motion, like a tiny peephole into a movie theater beyond the blackness of night. Even stranger, when I looked directly at one of the dots of light, it seemed to me that I could hear voices coming from them. Some of them cried out in anguish. One even filled my head with a squeal and a stream of rapid clicks, and I had the terrible image of a Tristellian in despair. Please, don't be my hope. What the actual fuck? cried Dribbler, his mouth far too close to my ear. Just hold on, I said, doing the best to get a hold of my emotions. Try to keep your thoughts calm. I think we want to just let this happen, at least if we want to end up where the others went. I thought we were going to Erd. Yeah, but the portal gun is weird. Last time I was in a funky tube-like passageway. I guess this is different. I think we're surrounded by places, possibilities. He wriggled to tr try to get a look around in different directions as we spun. But what if this is wrong, Jules? Where will we end up? I sighed and hugged him close to me. I don't know. Our best shot is to let the portal carry us where it will, which should be aired. Unless I'm wrong. Unless you're wrong? Well, what if you're wrong? I held him at arm's length to look in his eyes. In that case, let me apologize in advance. I did my best to save us all. If I screwed up, well, I'm sorry, Dribs. He looked at me, eyes searching me for something, and then pulled me in very close. May I kiss you? I answered by kissing him instead. I closed my eyes this time so I could shut out the spinning universe around us to make my world narrow to just the two of us. If we ended up lost between the worlds, at least we had this. I liked kissing Dribbler. I could tell he needed me at this moment as much as I needed him. Time didn't matter while we embraced. That we floated or fell didn't matter. I couldn't feel motion of any kind. The past fell away. The future rushed up. There in that nowhere space and time. We were all that existed, all that mattered. And then a breeze caught my clothing and hair, a zephyr so faint that I almost dismissed it as imagination. I opened my eyes as Dribbler withdrew from the kiss with a dreamy expression. His eyes widened to show their whites. He gasped, Jules! 
I turned my head to see that one of the dots of light had grown to be a rabbit hole in space, with daylight pouring through. No, it was more like a manhole cover full of sunshine. But now it grew to be as large as a child's wading pool, sunlight bathing our faces as we tumbled end over end toward it. Hang on, I shouted as we fell into the hole and out into the air. I braced myself for a fall, and we rolled together in the grass, landing flat on our backs side by side. In unison, Dribbler and I burst out laughing until our sides hurt, glad to be alive and unhurt. Something eclipsed the sun as it flew by. It shattered and rumbled as it disappeared over the hill upon which we lay. We stopped laughing in an instant. I sat up and scanned the grassy hillside for cover or sign of the others. A crumbled road made of more cracks than pavement meandered past the base of the hill, as if in no hurry to get anywhere soon. Jules, that was a helicopter. I thought Aird was like Victorian or something. I crouched and peered each way down the road. I spied a few clusters of trees, but the area around us seemed to be flat farmland, punctuated by occasional long, low hills. More like Jules Verne or H.G. Wells, if I remember right. You didn't see the Baba Yaga, my counterpart from Airdrove. They have strange, steampunk-like technology there. Hopefully, though, this is Aird. Come on, we have to get out of sight and find the others. I took his hand and pulled him up. We ran down toward the road where we dashed for a stand of trees. Just like in a nightmare, we seemed to move in slow motion as the chopping of helicopter blades returned and the shadow of the double turbine, bubble-shaped craft swung around the hill and bore down upon us. Gunfire ricocheted off the ground as the helicopters strafed the ground on either side of the road. It had struck so close that I knew it couldn't be an accident that they missed. I grabbed Dribbler and turned to face the war machine and raised my hands. I could see now that it bore a flag that parodied that of the United States I grew up in, except it had fewer stripes and a circle of fewer stars upon the field of blue in its upper corner. U.S. of Dixie, I presume, I said, trying to contain utter panic. Dribbler followed my example and said, Now what? I said, We surrender. We can't outrun that thing. What about the others? We can hope they escaped. Maybe we'll buy them time. Thank you for listening to the Alien Beer Podcast. If you like my stories, please visit my website, sillyhatbooks.com. I publish as E. Chris Garrison, and my books may be found in paperback, ebook, and audiobook format on Amazon.com and other places. The theme music for Alien Beer Podcast is Phantom from Space by Kevin McLeod. I very much enjoy feedback on this podcast and on my stories, so please leave comments on my website, visit me at at ECGarrison on Twitter, ECrisGarrison on Facebook, or drop me an email at ecg at sillyhatbooks.com. What evil lurks in the heart of Don Mondo? Only Chucky the Buddha, the enforcer of the Mondo Mafia, knows. Join them each week on the Mondo Method Podcast, as Chuck tries to get Don Mondo to reveal what is best in life, and where he hid the bodies. Oh, they also talk about writing, and being professional authors. The Mondo Method Podcast, with Armand Rosamilia, and Chuck Buddha. Weekly, wherever you find your podcasts. 
This has been a presentation of the Project Entertainment Network.